Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I have a word, uh, just a prophetic word for a couple people, but first I wanted to honor our lead pastors, Pastor Jürgen and Leanne. And they're amazing, incredible humans. We don't always do this every time we preach. We, we spend a lot of time with them because we are, you know, building the kingdom of God together. Um, but a lot of you won't ever have any interaction with them. So I want you to take my word for it that these are some of the most incredible humans, pastors, God-fearing, God-loving people that care and love you and me. And their mission in life is to see the world change for Jesus to love people so there is nobody that can even deny the goodness of God. They're the most steadfast, incredible, bold, and courageous leaders, and you are in a good place. Being at Awakened Church, you might not always feel like it feels good, uh, but you're in a really good place, and God has you here for a reason, under their covering and under their leadership. Amen? And then secondly, I did this in the first service, but I want the whole church to know how amazing the Shanes are. I want you to stand. Travis and Debbie Shane, two of the best humans. They oversee our kids' department, and they do it seamlessly. They do a wonderful job. They have a heart for your kids and my kids. They have a heart for people, and nobody's perfect. Let's face it. But these guys come pretty flipping close. And it's so important, the work that you do that goes unseen sometimes, it's so important because our children get to be raised up in the ways of God. And there is no better thing that I could ask for. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We honor you. We love you. You're amazing. And then I got a prophetic word that was unplanned as if they're supposed to be planned, uh, but it was actually during worship, and I got it in the first service, and I didn't bring it. I don't know why. I think I got distracted, um, but it was this. It's forging fruit, and there was a couple people, actually, Richie Hale, God spoke that to me in the first service for you, forging fruit. I'm glad you're here at the second service because that was for you, and then um, there's somebody else. They were over here that that word was for. They're forging fruit. Oh, my gosh. Who was it for? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember. I'm going to remember. Okay. But the word is you're foraging fruit. So your diligence and your faithfulness and everything that you put your hand to, everything Richie Hale, and actually I just remember it's the Molchanoffs and the Molchanoffs. And other people, if you like it, you could take it too. Um, but that's who God highlighted in the service for me. Yes, you could have it too. But the, everything that you put your hand to and actually feels like I've been there, done this. I already did this. I already did this. And God's asking you to go back to the foundations so that you can forge the fruit that he's called you to. And it's like, you're like, what the heck, God? What? The, what? I've already forged this path. I've already done this. And he's actually asking you to take a couple of setbacks. And it's not like he's pulling you backwards. He's actually a couple steps back so you can go 10 steps forward to forge the fruit that he's called you to walk in. So that's that. Amen. So we're in a series right now called Reborn. 
reborn. You are God's masterpiece. You and I are God's most incredible, precious creation. You and I, no matter how bad you've been and no matter how wrong you've been and how much you've ever denied God in your life, that you are still his greatest prized possession, his masterpiece. And in this series, as we lead up to coming into Cherish, we're going to be speaking on this. And I think it is such a timely series because as Cherish approaches, and this is not just the word for the ladies, watch out men, we'll probably get more revelation than uh, the ladies because I just pretended like I was talking to my husband the whole time I wrote the message. Just kidding. <laughs> I had to say just kidding really fast. So you didn't get a, I had no room for offense there. Um, no, that split second, that offense is gone. However, we're in this series and coming up to cherish some of the conversations that I'm approaching, just people operating out of an identity that is not of God. People actually operating out of insecurities that are not of God. And I'm like, what, what's going on? Like, this isn't you. This, is, this isn't you. This isn't the you that I know. This isn't the, God, the you that God knows, the you that God's called you to be. And all these conversations, the world around us that we're living in, I really heard the word as I was leading up to this message, was the word, we're in the aftermath. We're in the aftermath. We all went through 2020. If you're alive, you went through 2020. You were there. I don't know if you remember or not. You were there. I was there. We all experienced that catastrophe in one way or another. And what we're walking in now, in this three years later, things seem to be getting better, but then worse, but then better. I mean, election year's coming up, so it's probably gonna get worse before it gets better. Um, but we're walking in somewhat of an aftermath. And what God's calling us to do is fortify ourselves. Fortify ourselves. And if you've already felt fortified to God, to unity, to Christianity as a believer, then he's asking us to re-fortify ourselves. Because what's gonna happen is as evil prevails in the world around us, so many people are confused. Identity is one of the biggest ways the enemy will try to attack the people of God and the people that don't even know they know God. They don't know God. Identity is one of the biggest taker-outers. If you have a lack of identity, if you don't know who you are or whose you are, then you don't even know how you work. If you don't know the person and the, that, that created you, the God that created you, and, and know him, and know the, how he wanted you to be and how he formed you to be, then you don't know how to be. And I'm only telling you this because I walked for, let's see, I was 22 when I got saved. I walked for 22 years not knowing who I was or whose I was. And I didn't even, I was so confused. I didn't even know how to work. I didn't even know how to function. So I'm going to go through some of that today in some of the areas of our lives that you'll see, start to see shift once you become fortified in your faith, once you become fortified in your identity in Christ, once you become reborn into the calling and the creation that God has made you to be. And so here we go. You all ready? Okay, good. Just making sure. Just make sure I didn't lose you. All right. So let's just show some pictures for fun here. These are some companies that um, went through a rebranding. So over the years, companies will have to evaluate where they're at. They're gonna have to evaluate, is our product still sending the message that it's meant to be sending? They don't actually question the product in the, in the cycle of rebranding, 
but they question the message that they're sending. And what we are going to do as Christian believers is reevaluate the message that we're sending as Christians, as fortified Christians. What's the message that we're sending? Because the greatest rebranding of all time is you. The greatest rebranding of all time is you and me. And as you see over the years, the looks change, and you can put that back up real quick. The looks change, the vibes change, the feelings change. Um, when you see something like that colorful apple thing up there, it might remind you that you're old and you were alive when that was the logo. I just turned 40, no judgment over here. Um, Starbucks has gone through all these different rebranding. I mean, Burger King looks like, I don't even know what they were doing. How do you sell a burger with a sunshine? I don't know. Like, they had some strategy there that was some brilliant guy's idea, or girl's, girl's idea. But as you can see, there's a rebranding that needs to take place. And what God's trying to do in your and my life is rebrand, rebrand us. Now, I want you to notice that the product doesn't change. So if God made you a man, he wants you to be a man. If God made you female, he wants you to be a female. And I know that to be true because it says it in the Bible. And when man and woman come together, they make another man or another woman, right? And so this cycle continues. And so God's not here to completely take away everything he made. The way that Michaela Ray Casper was born is the way God made me to be. Does he want me to be refined? Does he want me to be better? Does he want me to be more Christ-like? Does he want me to be transformed? Does he want me to bear more fruit? Yes. Same for me, same for you. Does he want you to lose everything about you and become a Christian and become a boring bump on a log who has all these rules, who has all these ways of living that is totally irrelevant to everybody else to try to shine light into the world? No, he wants to create a better version of you. He wants to make a new creation that is actually a better version of yourself. Kimmy, does he want to make Kimmy 2.0? Yes, but then he wants to make Kimmy 3.0. Then he wants to make Kimmy 4.0. Then a billion point oh, infinity point oh. He, and it's never changing. Our walk with God is literally a daily transformation, a daily, what do you say? A daily yielding to what God wants in our life. And there's a reason why the Bible talks about this being a daily thing, renewing our mind daily, becoming a new creation daily, yielding to God daily. Every time I'm in church, every time, every time I'm reading the word of God, every time I'm listening to worship, every time I'm praying, there's actually more of me asking God what he wants to say than what I want to say. I'm always looking for what is God trying to say right now. I'm always looking for what is God trying to transform in my life right now. Amen? Amen. All right, so in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Amen? The new is here. I want you to notice in that verse, it doesn't say, uh, Therefore, if anyone in Christ, the perfect creation has come. No. Awakened church is full of imperfect people. Okay? Yeah, Right? Like, we're all imperfect. If you're perfect, as Pastor Jurgen says, you can please get up right now and fly around the room and show us your awesome perfect skills, okay? 
It does not say perfect. So God's expectation is not that we become perfect and never do anything wrong. God's expectation is that we can actually take our wrongdoings, take our weaknesses, take the things that is in our humanity and ourself and yield it to his calling and close the gap between what would God do and what would I do. And that gap every day should be coming a little bit closer. That gap every day should be closing. And if you haven't experienced a Christian that's never made a mistake, has anyone here experienced a Christian that's never made a mistake? See, I just want to get the elephant out of the room. We all make mistakes. Like today, I forgot to tell my husband he was doing the offering. And I just, as soon as he got off stage, I had to apologize. I am so sorry because he does not like when I do that. But it was better anyways. It was great. Better than what you could have planned. And another thing, if God made you and I in his image to function as his representation on this earth, then stop being mad about who God made you. If you are mad about who God made you, you're insulting God. That is an insult to God. And I had my own revelation on this as I was growing up. I was so mad at God for making me shy. I was like, why do I have to be so shy? Well, what I come to realize is God didn't make me that way. All he was trying to do was to weed out some trauma to help me to become confident who he's called me to be, to help me to press into who I'm supposed to be, to help me to press into my purpose and my calling in order to grow into a confident follower of Christ. But if you're mad about the way he made you look, the way he made you operate, then ask him, God, give me a revelation. Why did you put these desires in my heart? Why did you make me this way? I used to want to be a teacher when I was growing up. It was my biggest dream. I was like this little girl. I had my bedroom set up as, as a classroom <laughs> with chairs and everything. Ask my mom. She just laughs so hard when I talk, to, talk about this. But I would have invisible students, and I would have, I would, hey, mom, can you please, I have like, I earned some money. Can you take me to the teacher store? Like they have these stores where teachers buy things. It is so fun. Like, I got the bulletin board pins and the decorations, and I would decorate my classroom, and I would change it according to the season, like a teacher. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, God. So here, fast forward, here I am teaching using the giftings and callings that he's always had on the inside of me, but to serve his kingdom. But I had to get over my insecurities of shyness, of not being confident. I had to get over my insecurities and do the things that God asked me to do in order to step into it. Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. I mentioned that it is a daily yielding to self and conforming to Christ. You're not expected to change overnight. Everything's not going to all fall into place overnight when you become a Christian. It's a transformational process. It's a continually opening the word of God and reading, how can I change this? How can I be a better friend? How can I be a better spouse? How can I be a better parent? How can I be a better employer or employee? And day by day, God will change us from the inside out. So I want to point out some of the examples in scripture where God actually changes the names of some of the people in the Bible, some main players in the Bible. He changes the name of Abram to Abraham. But what's interesting is he didn't change the product. The original product, 
Abram, exalted father. When he changed his name to Abraham, he becomes a father of multitude. He doesn't change the calling on his life as a father. He makes it better. And then we look at Simon to Peter. The one whom here, Simon means, the one who hears the word of God. And then he changes his name to Peter, which means on a rock. Which means to me, if Peter hears the word of God, he starts doing the word of God so people can see it. So he becomes a rock in other people's lives. Peter means a rock. The name changes to underline the transformation of the person who hears the word of God to a spiritual rock. And my favorite here, because I relate to this individual, in Acts 26, this is Saul to Paul. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Is it, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness and sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. How powerful is that? This is the road to Damascus story for those of you who are still learning the Bible. But this is where Saul's life is completely transformed and the Lord changes his name to Paul. And what happens here is Saul is literally persecuting people for serving Jesus and believing in Jesus and believing that Jesus is actually doing real miracles and what he says is truth. And he's persecuting for people that. And in a moment, he turns his entire life around because he has an encounter with Jesus. And he starts using his power and his authority in order to influence for the right. And I see myself in this story, not that I was persecuting Jesus followers, but my family had gotten saved. My brother and my mom got saved first in my family. My little brother would take his Bible to school, to high school with him every day. And I clowned him and I made fun of him. And I was so cool because I became friends with the cheerleaders and he was not cool because he was bringing a Bible to school. And I see myself in this picture because even though I had desires of doing the right things, I wasn't. I thought I was doing the right things, but then there was no fruit. There was actually bad fruit. There was bad relationships. I was doing bad things in those relationships, and there was bad people around me also doing all those same things. And what I noticed in a moment, when I came to Awaken Church 18 years ago, in a moment, I gave my life to God. I surrendered to Christ, and everything changed. Everything changed. And that can happen for you as it happened for me. And the good news, the best news, is that this Jesus, his character, who he is, will never change. His name will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when our name is a little bit questionable, when we're questioning our name and our identity and who we are, the name of Jesus never changes. So we can go back to the name of Jesus every time we are out of alignment with what he wants for our life. We can go back. And at the end of this message, I'll give anyone here the opportunity who wants a reset, who wants a first time. I want to surrender. Any point in your life, you can go back to Jesus. 
you can go back to the name of Jesus. Therefore, God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Amen? Amen. All right, so we're going to get into the nitty gritty now. That's all the amazing, you're amazing, I'm amazing news. I'm going to tell you how this all works itself out in real life. Because how many of you live a real life? I live a real life with real humans that are sometimes annoying. And I'm sure I'm annoying too. I'm sure. Sure. Sometimes. So, the first area, and, and look, I know there's a million ways that our lives are transformed when we give our life to Christ. Many people will experience Jesus and your surrender to Christ in a different way. But these areas that I'm going to share with you today are tangible ways I can show you that God's moved in my life, that I can share my testimony with so that God can move in your life. So the first area is how you communicate. How you communicate. See, my first step was actually learning to communicate. Because I actually, like, barely talked as a young kid. I'm like, oh, I have words? Okay, gotcha. Words are the most powerful thing in the universe. Words are containers. They contain faith or fear, and they produce after their own kind. Ouch. So every word that you throw out is a seed, and it will reproduce. Every single thing that you and I say, whether we meant it or not, is now out there to reproduce. And it's, it's a very humbling thing to realize that our words are tools. You know, God created the whole entire universe with words. And I want to propose to you today that the world that we're living in, your universe that you're living in, is fruit of the words that you've spoken. Fruit of the words that you've spoken. And it's a little bit ouchy, I know. I had to learn so many lessons in this area. This was literally the most powerful change in my life. I remember, <laughs> I've told this story before. My husband asked me to share it again. I remember when my husband and I were first married, and we were in a fight, and I did not fight fair. I'm telling you, I just got saved in every word, every word, like cussing, complaining, tearing apart, tearing down. And also, to be to realize the full picture is that I wasn't raised with a dad that used encouraging words. He used his words to, to tear apart and destroy and motivate to be better through negativity. And so this was my only way of knowing how to operate. And so we got in a fight and I'm trying to call him to get a hold of him and I'm driving to get my nails done and he won't answer his phone and I'm like, it's your phone. But he was being a wise man to not answer his phone. So I got so irritated. I said, well, since you won't answer your phone, I just want to let you know that I wrecked my car. Well, I didn't wreck my car. I was just driving to the nail salon, but I wanted to get his attention. <laughs> like, this is the only way I know how to get attention is through negativity. Savage, I know. So then pull up to the nail salon, I sit down, I mean, I'm sitting in my car, waiting for my nail appointment to start, in my brand new Lexus that he had just bought me, and I know, first world problems over here, and then I lean my um, 
chair back and I'm just resting my eyes because I'm so exhausted from this torturous fight. And all of a sudden, this big, huge, pointy, old car, bus thing, Cadillac, pulled in next to me and as they're playing, completely sideswiped the whole left side of my brand new car. And then my car was wrecked. Power of your words. Power of your words. So from that moment forward, I realized, wow, I think I have the gift of the prophetic. I'm probably going to need to use it for Jesus instead of this. So from that point forward, I put on my mirror because I was still dealing with the shy thing. I was still dealing with the insecure thing, still dealing with my words, being a meanie with my words. So I literally put on my mirror, prophetic, anointed, powerful voice to this generation. Prophetic, anointed, powerful voice to this generation. I remember it clear as day. I had it posted on my mirror and I would read it every single morning, not believing it, but I would read it anyway because that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be that. I didn't want to be a meanie, insecure, not know how to fight girl. So it's so important to to realize what we carry in the weight of our words. Another funny story, my husband and I, even after I was saved, we're married a few years, we're meeting with our tax accountant. And this is a Jewish man. He's amazing. He's still our accountant. And we're sitting there and he asks the question. He's like, so do you think that we could... um, get your mom to give you this write-off. We had done a, we had bought a house and she was a part of it. And he asked if we could get her to give us the write-off. And knowing that my husband has talked about his mom in the frame of reference of her being very, um, I don't want to say the word stingy out of honor, but um, restrictive, tight with her finances. Frugal, yes, thank you much more honoring word, frugal with her finances. And I said, no, she won't do that. She's Jewish. Okay. The man is Jewish. Gail Hubbard is not Jewish. She just is frugal. And then my husband's kicking me under the table, open mouth, insert foot. He's literally kicking me. And he texts me, he is Jewish. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm running away so fast. The power of our words. I am so careful now. I'm so careful with the things that I say. If I don't know, if I'm right, I don't say anything. And so it's so important, especially in church as believers, like the, the world out there is loose, is, is going off, is saying things, piping off. People are on social media. It's like their main way of getting their frustrations out is to post on social media. But in the church, we have a higher standard. We have an even higher calling. We have an even higher expectation. So us leaders, if you're a leader in church, this is imperative. This is like one plus one equals two. Like you can't change it. Like this is imperative that we understand the way that we talk, who we talk to, the way we handle matters matter. The way we handle upsets, the way we handle defense, handle offense, the way we handle situations with people matters. A couple of rules of thumb that I've picked up along the way of these 18 years of watching my words. Let emotions subside, then decide. 
Feelings are the believer's worst enemy, so we need to take the time before we act on our feelings. Wait to make decisions, wait to respond. If you get a message or someone says something that really tweaks you, which it will, like this happens probably to me on a weekly basis now. (laughs) And it will happen to you. I mean, you live on planet Earth for more than like a week. This will happen to you. Someone will offend you. Wait to make decisions on how to respond. Wait to respond. Don't speak unless you have the full picture. If so-and-so comes to you and said, you know what they did. Oh, my gosh. Hold that. Put it in your pocket, as Pastor Leanne would say. Walk away. Get a full picture. Put it in your pocket. Ask God and find the truth. It's spiritual maturity. As we, as we serve God in his kingdom, our level of spir- spiritual maturity in the way of our words has to become fortified with God. Loose lips sink ships. Loose lips sink, sink ships. Let's take our lips and zip it up. Sometimes some of us, if, they, if you're a big talker, like you talk a lot, like just zip it up. If you're shy and you don't talk like I used to be, then ask God for courage to say the right things. When you speak, ask yourself, what are your motives? What am I trying to do when I, when I am saying this? Where, where am I going with this? What's my intent with this? Proverbs 21:23 says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Guard your mouth, guard your tongue, stay out of calamity, right? Amen. One last thing I want to touch on in this is when you're having conversations with God, let's evaluate Who's talking more? So are you just always asking God for things? Are you getting yourself into situations that you knew were wrong and then just going to God to bail you out and ask him to change everything? And sometimes he will. Sometimes he will. Sometimes you'll have to walk through the process. You're already forgiven for the thing, but that doesn't mean there aren't consequences to our choices. And so if you're, if you're praying to God, praying to God, praying to God, and then you're listening to God, and you hear God say something, and then you go to somebody and you say, I really felt like God told me, da-da-da-da, I'm going to do this. And then life happens. So God told you, right? So, so God told you, you should do that, right? Okay, good job. So now you're going to do it. But then you come back to me in three months and be like, I don't know, you know, like, I just, I'm really questioning if that was God. Well, Did God talk to you? Yeah, he did. Well, then just keep doing it because if God talked to you, sometimes it takes a process. Sometimes he has to help you work it out. It doesn't mean it's just going to happen all of a sudden. But if God talks to you and then you repeat it to somebody, you're accountable. It's like a whole new level of accountability. If God talked to you and you repeated it, then it must be true. Amen? All right. Done with that one. Number two. How to steward your time. So another area that God really transformed in my life is how do you steward your time? When I first got saved, you know, I was on a plane to Vegas, and then I met my husband, who was, who was just a guy at the time, obviously. He was a Christian guy at the time, at least. <laughs> but that's what I was doing with my time. I was going off to Vegas to meet a guy that I was dating and do the things I wasn't supposed to be doing and all that stuff. Not knowing any better. I mean, granted, not, I wasn't saved, obviously. I wasn't knowing any better. But the point is, my, my whole calendar changed. My whole purpose of time changed after I gave my life to God. 
church was, became a priority. We would travel all the time. My husband traveled for speaking multiple times a year. We would go do fun things all the time, which we still do. We still do all the things, but the priorities are right. We, we fly back from seminars on a Sunday at 6 a.m. to be at church by 9 a.m., just like he did today. Our priorities are right. When you get your priorities with your time right, everything else will fall into place. When you prioritize the opening your Bible in the morning and getting a word from God, your whole day will change. When you prioritize prayer meetings and prayer time, things will change. So you can become a Christian and say, I believe in God. And if you're not seeing the fruit change, then something in your calendar might need to change. You and I are the only person in charge of our calendar. You are the only person that's in charge of your calendar. And I know there's demands. I know that there's things that need to get done. I know that you have children. I know that you have a husband. I know that you have things. I know that you have important jobs. I get it. I get it. I get it. But those are not excuses. You've appointed everything in your calendar. You have appointed and it's, it's time to, even as the seasons shift back into more routines with school starting, it's time to bring our calendars and get a routine back into alignment with what God wants us to be doing. And I'm not saying every day has to be perfect. I used to think like, okay, this 7 to 8 a.m. needs to be this. I'm going to wash my hair at 8, and then I'm going to read my Bible at 9, and then, no, I get it. Life is messy. There are demands on us. Life is, is crazy, and there, there are demands, real, real demands that I'm not discounting. However, if you let those demands take away the things that are important, then you will start to see a shift that you're probably going to need to reshift. And there are seasons, and that's why God created seasons. So every season is different. There is a time for everything and a season for everything that God created under the sun. And I get it. We just came off of summertime. We were all living our best life, and the sun was kind of out, and we were going to pool parties, and we were going to Fourth of July parties, and we were celebrating Labor Day, and we had long weekends, but it's, it's coming into fall. For us parents, school's starting. It's time to get our kids back into a routine, and trust me, my kids started school two weeks ago, and I'm still struggling. I'm like, but I just want it to be summer and just have fun whenever I want. Well, God's like, sorry, there are seasons. Sorry, you could still have fun. It's just going to look a little bit different. How do we steward our time? And if you're here serving in the house of God, it is your responsibility to have an awareness around where you're at emotionally, physically, and what you're able to contribute to serving. When people say, I'm just so burnt out, I'm like, well, that's your fault. Like, you, you should have just said, like, I need, I, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling like I need a break. I'm feeling like I need a refresher. I feel like I need this to your leadership so that we can help you steward your time. Your leaders are there to help you. Your leaders are there so you could be vulnerable and open. There was two years ago in 2021, I went and did some blood tests and a bunch of stuff came back super bad. Let's just say bad, like without getting into details. It wasn't good. And God spoke to me and he's like, yeah, because you're burning the candle at both ends every day. It's like, you can't settle down. My husband always makes fun of me. Like, he's like, can you ever just pause? You think he'd be saying that about himself, but it's me. <laughs> can you read a book? I'm like, you know what? You're rude, but right. Rude and right. Yes, yeah, so take a breather. Take a pause. 
take a rest, take a reset. Sunday is Sabbath. Why would God make it a ten, one of the Ten Commandments to rest on a Sunday? Because he knows we're human and we have drive and passion. He knows there's problems that we want to fix. He knows us. He knows us so well that he put it in the Ten Commandments that you're supposed to rest on a Sunday. Be in church. Connect with your family. My husband preached a message a long time ago, rest is your weapon. Pastor Mike Finn just preached a message on rest. We cannot discount putting rest, restoration, time with God, time with our family, the things that are important to us. We cannot discount putting that into our calendar. Amen? One last note. My friends here who responded to me on Instagram about this saying she took it personal, but she didn't. She was joking. Uh, <laughs> you could put up the slide. For those of you who are always late everywhere you go, it's time you learn backwards math. Which is, okay, church starts at 11, so we need to be there by 1045, which means we need to leave by, I don't know, so we need to have breakfast by, be ready by, which means we need to wake up at, and then you have your answer. Backwards math. All right, coming into point three. Y'all still with me? Making me work hard. I'm like out of breath over here. How you do relationships. This, this was an area that God transformed like within weeks, within weeks of me giving my life to Christ. And it was kind of forced upon me because my friend dropped, my friend group that before I got saved pretty much dropped me like I was hot. They drop her like her's hot. You're out of here. You're not our friend anymore. I'm like, okay, fine. I like church anyways. But in that moment, I literally had no friends because I was like over there. I had all these friends that did all the wrong things with me and we bonded over that. And then I was like, wait, I have no friends to the point where Pastor Leanne took me under her wing, became my friend. And I didn't know how to have friends with Christians. I'm like, I, I'm learning about the, I'm learning what the right thing to do is. I'm learning that you can't do this when you're a Christian. I'm learning that you have to go different places. I, I took Pastor Leanne to a nightclub and she was like, this is so wrong within five seconds. Like, I'm like, let's just stop. We had dinner with some girls and I had, we had a glass of wine and I'm like passing this nightclub. My husband's friend owned it. So I was like, hey, just come. Look, look, this is what, this is what we do to have fun. We, we go here and we dance. And she walked in, she's like, this is so bad. I'm like, it, it's bad, okay, this, this is bad, not doing that. But I didn't know, I was like, God bless her heart. She had so much grace with me. I showed up to her house on New Year's Eve. We, we went by to say hi. I wish I had a picture. We went by to say, hi and bye, we were going out for the night and before kids and newly married and we were trying to do something fun and be a little holy and still have fun. Then we were dating, were we dating? We weren't married yet, okay. I was saved, we were dating, not married yet. I show up to her house and I had a hot pink corset on and it was like, everything was out. And I had skin tight pants on. And I was so excited. Knock, knock, knock. They opened the door. Oh, hi. Hi, Pastor Leanne. So excited. We're going out. We're going to have so much fun. Okay, come in. 
We hang out for a little while. We're leaving. She goes in her coat closet and grabs a coat. And she goes, Kayla, I want you to wear this with that. Did I wear it? No. I didn't even wear it. But it was just like, I didn't know. I didn't know the right way to live. I didn't know how to do relationships. I didn't know that this was someone that cared deeply for me, that was trying to help me see the light, help me to see how to live. And everything will change in our relationships when we get saved, when we give our life to Christ. We, these relationships here, th these relationships here should make this relationship better. Your friends should make your relationship with Jesus better. And Jesus will make your relationships with your friends better. They work hand in hand. And if you follow Jesus and you love Jesus and you have no friends, then friend, it's not the right way. It's gonna be very challenging for you to create fruit, have fruit, enjoy your life without friends. And I'm not saying these friends are perfect by any means. They're not gonna be, promise you, they're not gonna be. But they're gonna help you live in a way that always points back to Jesus if they're a true friend. Ephesians 4 says this, and this is a word really for unity within the church. Because the world is looking to a church that is unified, not a church where they walk in and they hear about every past dysfunction or personal relationship or drama that just happened. That's not true, this isn't your hairdresser's seat. And I know you hairdressers in the room probably have different clients than most, but the church isn't meant to represent drama, turmoil, back-talking, behind-the-back, backstabbing. No, the church is here for unity. Ephesians 4, 2 says, be completely and humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. I notice bearing with one another in love. Sometimes you'll just have to bear with me. <laughs> Sometimes you'll just have to bear with your friend. Sometimes you'll just have to bear with that other person you're serving with that drives you nuts. Sometimes you'll just have to bear with your leader that doesn't seem like they know what they're doing, but God put them in a place for you to honor. Sometimes you'll have to bear with one another in love in an effort towards unity. And to define unity, it doesn't mean we always just peachy agree on everything. Like God created you and I to all have our own opinions and, and preferences and, and things like that. We're not meant to just be cookie cutter, like all dressing the same on the stage like today Christians. <laughs> Even though sometimes that happens. But there's a difference between disagreement and division. So when your disagreement leads to division, then it's out of line with God. When your disagreement can't end in unity and an ultimate love for Christ and one another, then it's all wrong and you're doing the house of God a disservice. If you're serving your heart out and serving God, the gifts and the talents and everything that you bring mean nothing if you have something against your neighbor. They mean nothing. Like you're proud of yourself, but God's sitting there going, wow, can't you just go up to that person and tell them you're sorry? Can't you just go up to that person and bring a level of reconciliation? Last year at Cherish, during worship, God really started to speak to me. I had, had, I had a friend who we became a little distant. I think, I don't know exactly what happened. We just became distant and things felt weird. And it was apparent that I had offended this person. 
and we're sitting at Cherish and during worship, God literally was like, you need to apologize and I'm crying and I don't cry. So I know it was God because I was crying. I don't cry often, I do cry. Um, and I'm like, God, I don't even know what I did. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know who you're talking about actually. And he's like, look to your left, look to your right. This person had been sat right next to me, no coincidence. And he's like, you need to tell her you're sorry. And I'm like, okay, for what? It doesn't matter, tell her you're sorry. So I did that. As soon as that worship song was over and we sat down, I turned to her and there was a lot going on on stage, but I wanted to immediately do what God said. And I said, I am so sorry for whatever I did or whatever happened to make you upset with me. I am so sorry. And she literally started crying. We had a moment and things, it, it set the tone for reconciliation over this past year that we have sorted things out, worked things out and brought unity where God can command a blessing. And it's a beautiful thing. All right, I have a lot more to say on that note. I'll have to do another message on that one. So, because due to time, we gotta close this out. And the last point I wanna bring is how you find purpose. How you find purpose. The things before you give your life to Christ, the things that you would do before actually become meaningless when you give your life to Christ. There's so much meaning to everything you do because you're on purpose for something made by God to build a kingdom that can outlast anything, to build kingdom on earth that can outlast anything. And if the only reason that I gave my life to God is to break the curses that I grew up with, to break the curse of drugs, alcohol, divorce, if, if any reason for my children to live set free, then that is good enough because my purpose changed and now it is about what comes after me. I was gonna go to college. I was gonna become a news broadcaster in LA. And then I met my husband on an airplane. He invited me to church and I lifted my hand the first Sunday. I felt God prompting me before that, but it was in a moment similar to that road to Damascus story where God intervened and it transformed my life forever. And I'm able to have miracle children, have a family. Is my life perfect? By no means. Do bad things happen to us? Yes, they do. But we don't focus on that because we have eternal purpose. We serve a God that has everything under control. We serve a God that loves us and never will leave us or forsake us. So we actually don't have to worry about anything. Do we feel worried sometimes? Yes. But we don't have to let that overtake our life. We can serve a God who has created us on purpose, for a purpose, by Him, to create what He wants to build, kingdom on earth. And it's the same for you. Every single human that God creates is a gift. You are a gift. With a world that is trying to get us to identify with things that are so ungodly, like never before, we have to fortify our faith so that we can live the life God's called us. And when the world comes against us, we are so sure in our foundation of God that we are unshakable. If everyone can just stand to your feet and I'm gonna come to a close right now. Matthew 16, 25 says this, 
for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. God is good. Whatever we give to him, he gives back to us even better. Whatever giftings, talents, callings on the inside of you that he gave you, be thankful for it. Give it to him and let him return it better. Be on a journey daily to surrender to what God has for us. Ask him daily, how can I become a better communicator? How can I have better friendships? How can I use my time better to serve you, Lord? With every head bowed and eye closed, you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm gonna give anyone here an opportunity. I have a feeling there's a lot of people here that are in this place like I was 18 years ago and questioning who they are, questioning why they're here. It's because you don't know your creator. It's because you don't have a relationship with your heavenly father. I promise you everything will fall into place if you give Jesus your life. Not in a perfect way, but in a God way. So this morning, if that's anyone here, I would love for you to just lift your hand as a sign of surrender and say, God, I need you to intervene. God, I surrender my life to you. God, I give you everything. Thank you, Jesus. There's some hands lifted over here. Where do you, where do you have lots of hands on this side? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you, God, that right now is a transformational moment for so many people here. I thank you that you cover your sons and daughters with your love, that you cover them with peace that surpasses all understanding. Like when I lifted my hand in trust, in faith to a God that I didn't know what I was stepping into, that right now they're experiencing the peace like I experienced the day I lifted my hand. I thank you, Lord, that hands across this place, keep your hand lifted if that's you, as a sign that I need you, God. I rededicate, recommit my life to Jesus. I commit to your ways, Jesus. Thank you, God. If everyone in this place could repeat after me for those people that have their hands lifted right now. Dear God, I thank you for my salvation. I thank you for my transformation. I thank you that I am a new creation. I thank you that you love me. I pray for forgiveness for every sin I ever did. And I look forward to the amazing life that you have for me. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.